Hey there, fellow streakers. It's another day and another great day for streaking. We have with us a fantastic guest. Uh, this guest is a certified financial planner and has helped thousands of families, including her own, save millions of dollars for, on college. Uh, she is the managing partner of Independent Progressive Advisors, a fee-only financial advisor, and the author of the College Financial Lady blog. Her husband, Bob, uh, her and her husband live in Portland, Oregon, and their twins, that's right, you heard it correctly, twins are away from home attending college. Let's welcome to The Streaking Show, Anne Garcia, and let's start streaking. What is streaking and why should you do it? Streaking is how you set up personal winning streaks. Look at who you want to be and what you need to do to become that person. This is Streaking. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jamie. And we are streakers. Through 30 years of marriage and seven children, we have learned the power of consecutive consistency or streaking. To start streaking is simple. You just follow these three laws. Make it laughably simple. Keep a record and join the streaking community. Streaking is your hidden superpower. With it, you will consistently progress and grow in whatever area of life you want. In this podcast, Jeff and I will share all the fun, exciting, serious, solemn, wonderful parts of family, spiritual, professional, and personal life, and how streaking powers it all. So join us in the conversation, join the movement, and start streaking today. Hi, Anne. We're so excited to have you on the show. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I don't know if I mentioned, but yesterday was my 300th streak day of 10,000 steps. Really? <laughs> that is so fantastic. fantastic. We love hearing streakers. That's so great. That's awesome. 300 days. That's great. And in the heat that you've been having, like we've been having, that's great getting all those steps in. Some of it them have been at night. And cool. <laughs> yes. So, and we wanted to start off just by asking you, a little bit about your background, like where does the passion for financial planning coming and how did it lead to the writing of, of this book? Well, so I've been a, um, I've been a financial advisor for about 12 years. Um, and I, I spent my early career working in technology and found, I really enjoyed having conversations about money. And when my kids were born, I knew I didn't want to be doing the hours and the workload of tech. And so I decided to become a certified financial planner. Okay. Um, and I, I noticed early on in my career as an advisor that lots and lots of families were coming in with questions about how they were going to pay for college. And another big group was coming in with questions about how they were going to manage their, their student loans. And and I found that not a lot of people in our profession were, were talking about college. It was much more focused on retirement. And between that and having my own kids who I intended to get through college, I thought this is something I should know, I should know more about. And I started, you know, started doing some research on it and, and found that it led to some really, really great conversations um, with clients about what was really important to them in their time on earth, you know, raising their families, having a lifestyle that they want, setting their kids up for success. Um, and, uh, and I also found that I was answering the same questions again and again and again. So I started writing them down in a blog and one thing led to another. And suddenly I said, you know what, this blog is about as long as a book. And so <laughs> we should turn it into a book. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I was the first, I was fascinated to realize because um, I have older children and younger children. So I was, I have been talking to my oldest daughter a lot and she's already starting to think about planning college for her kids. And she doesn't have any yet. She's actually currently still in law school, but they've talked extensively about what they want to do. And I was thinking about how much I didn't think about that when I had kids, when I was her age. And I realized when I was reading the first part of your book, when you mentioned some statistics that like in 1980, the annual tuition was in the 800s, $800 annually. Mm -hmm. And that by 1990, it had gone only gone up to about 1600 but then in the last 30 years, the average annual tuition is closer to the 16,000, 17,000s. And that, so looking at that and realizing that in my daughter's lifetime, college tuition fees have, I think you stated, gone up like at public, public universities, 500%. Yeah, yeah. And just... so look, recognizing that, that, that that's a huge shift in, in the way that parents were thinking about college as compared to kids that are starting to have children now and they're thinking about college. Yeah, and it's a lot like, you know, for our generation, our parents didn't think a lot about retirement because they had pensions and that was all taken care of, but we've had to 
self-finance, all of that. So, you know, so we've been pretty well-versed in saving for retirement in the same way that I think kids, you know, they're not kids anymore. They're young adults. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, have had that exposure to the high cost of college and are, and are starting to think about that for, for their own families a little earlier than, um, than what they used to be. Yeah, 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 I agree. As you look at, um, one of the things that I saw is intentionality in everything. It seems that, I, I mean, in all the in all the worksheets and all the questions, it's about being intentional from the time they're in kindergarten to look at college. And you give a lot of the stats as to why it's important to go to college. But walk us through just a little bit about that intentionality and what is it that, you know, parents, what are some of the highlights as parents go from kindergarten all the way through a senior in high school? What are some of those highlights they need to be looking at? Yeah, so I I think one of the one of the really important things for families to remember is the sooner you start, the more choices you have. You know, you're in a if you if you start planning for college when your child is younger, you know, number one, you don't have to save as much because your savings will do more of the work. Number two, you have a better opportunity to shape their thinking about college so that it's driven more by your family's values than by their friends' choices. (laughs) Um, But, you know, really, I'd say, you know, high level, the sooner you start to save, the more savings you have, the more savings you have, the more choices you have. Um, The sooner you start to talk about college, the more opportunities you have to frame their thinking about it than to have their their friends frame their thinking about it and so and that's that's not to say that it matters what preschool they go to because that's what's going to get them into harvard it doesn't and frankly it doesn't matter if they go to harvard or san jose state um um, but the sooner you know having having good positive conversations around what your expectations of them are having the parents be on the same page as far as what they're willing to contribute, what their aspirations for their kids are. Um, and that doesn't mean that you have to agree on everything, but that does mean that, you know, when your kids are young, that's a great time to have a conversation between the parents about what your goals and aspirations are, what pathways you think should be open to them, what level you're willing to fund their um, to fund their college, because college is really not something that kids can bootstrap themselves. It has to be a whole a whole family effort. Yeah, you know, when kids are young, I think introducing for parents who are who who intend for their kids to go to college, introducing the concept of college in age appropriate ways, and that does not mean um, you know as a five year old, hey, study your math. It means talking about things like, hey, I never understood thunderstorms until I took a meteorology class in college, and it was really fun. Or my friend Jamie and I, we met in college, and we go back all this way. Um, and, and I made so many great friends while I was there. Um, you know, just introducing that as a part of life that you value and, and something that you would like to have be um, available to them. I think when kids get closer to college, um, you know, introducing the concept of money into it. And you can, you know, you can do that as you see their friends, older siblings going off to college. You can do that by looking at scholarship opportunities that are available at your in-state colleges. You can do that, you know, as they get further on in the process by introducing what your college budget looks like and um, and and what level of support and skin in the game that you think um, that you think they should have. I mean, that's on the conversation side. On the financial side, I think it's so important to just be you know, disciplined and intentional in your savings process. Whatever amount you are able to do, do it, set it and forget it. <laughs> um, you know, open a 529, set up an automatic monthly contribution to it. Kids whose families have saved for college in any amount enroll and graduate from college at higher rates than those that don't. And you can, you know, we could argue cause and effect on those, <laughs> um, but it's, you know, but it's just just a fact. Um, I think a good strategy for parents, because when you start all this and, you know, you have a newborn and you've got diapers and you've got childcare and you've got bajillions of other expenses, you know, you're probably in the most expensive phase of your life. 
um, but for college. Right. <laughs> um, right. So to say, let's carve out some additional dollars can be a little bit tough, but you know, if you can find $10 a month in your budget that can go into a 529, you'll be very well served by that. You know, so much of your life when you, of your family life, something's in triage mode and it's not your college savings. <laughs> that yeah. The sooner you can, you can automate that, the better. I also think a great practice is every year on your kid's birthday, you're probably thinking about what a great year it was, how you're going to celebrate that and recognize it. It's also a great time to think, what does their future self look like? And who am I trying to, you know, who am I trying to shape and create here? And can I carve out another five, 10, $20 in my budget every month to increase their 529 yeah. contribution? Talk to us just a little bit. So I I've had several questions. Several of the okay. things that you've said have intrigued me. One of the things, so first of all, with your twins, you when did you start talking with them? Because you were in tech industry when they were born, right? And then you and then you moved over into financial planning. So had you already started talking to them about it? Or was it when you got into financial planning that you're like, you know what, I probably need to be a little bit more intentional. And how did you start that process? Yeah, so, so, um, and I probably overused the word intentional because I was a little bit haphazard myself. <laughs> <laughs> and we all so are I'm to sharing, some I'm point, sharing right? life lessons as well. <laughs> right. Um, you know, when when my kids were little, one of their favorite things to do. So I went to I went to Berkeley and the football stadium before it was remodeled was a total dump. And the nice thing about it being a total dump was that it was open to the public all the time. Whenever, <laughs> we, whenever we went there, one of their favorite things was you could just walk into the stadium and walk around. And they thought that was so cool. And that was like college to them was, you know, just going to all these places and seeing all this fun stuff. And I think that really stuck in my son's head that like, college equals football games equals, you know, big crowds of people and fun Saturdays with your friends. And, um, and, and, and so we did a lot of, you know, we would go visit colleges and then we went to Michigan where my husband went and my kids were shocked that you couldn't just like walk into the football stadium whenever you want. <laughs> Wait, it's locked. Wait. What's with that? <laughs> they keep people out. I'm like, well, cause it's nice there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we, you know, so we sort of, you know, unintentionally introduced them to what colleges were were like, and and they started seeing all these different areas. When they were in middle school, it was in the um, it was in the financial crisis, and our um, our school district had five furlough days, and so oh, wow. we got together as a group of parents and organized field trips for the kids on the furlough days. And one of the moms was a professor at one of our local colleges. And so she organized for the kids to come to college for a day. And, you know, she gave them a homework assignment. They came to class, they got a campus tour. They saw, you know, and, and it was, a, it's a really different um, college ex environment than anything that they had seen from us. Cause we had taken them to two, you know, gigantic, <laughs> Uh, public right. colleges and this was a local uh, you know a local private college where they were in a small classroom you know with the college kids and the professor and going and having you know actually good food they have good food at college <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and so, you know, so we had this sort of haphazard start of, of them looking at colleges and, you know, and they came back from that and they were talking about it. And I realized, you know, at that point I'd always been, you know, really gung ho on, you can go anywhere you want. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, they're starting to get interested in this stuff. I need to put some mm -hmm. guardrails on here because right. we're not paying for them to go to Berkeley or Michigan. And we're probably not paying for them to go to university of Portland, which is where they <laughs> <laughs> where yes. they had gone to visit. And I was like, okay, we need to start, we need to start talking about this and, and talking about how, um, you know, how much college costs and, and, um, and, and what their options are, are going to be. And I was like, and I don't want to be the bad guy saying you can't go there. I, you know, I want to be someone who, 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 you know, I want to be a parent who gives them some agency over, over the college process, but within, within some limits. And, yeah. um, and so we started talking about what, um, you know, what different schools cost and, you know, how much we would have to save for them to be able to go to some of these places. And it led to a conversation about, you know, hey, there, there are good choices at a lot of different price points. Um, 
And we started looking up, you know, what it would cost them to go to University of Oregon or Oregon State compared with Berkeley or Michigan. And would that produce a better outcome for them or a different outcome? And, and one of the things that I kept seeing in my business every day was the, the thing that really held people back was student loans. Um, not, not where they went to college, but you know, how much debt they had incurred. Did they yeah. have the financial flexibility as an adult to choose where they lived, what career they pursued, whether they went to grad school or not, or were they tethered to either living with their parents or, you know, only having a high paying career that may or may not be what they wanted to do. Right. Um, because they had this monthly nut to crack of paying for their student loans. Yeah, that's so great that you had that, that that through your profession, you were able to see a little bit of ahead of where your kids would be in a couple years based on decisions. And as I was reading your book, one of my favorite things was that section where you had conversations where you broke, there's a chapter in it where you break it down and say, at this age group, talk about these kinds of things at this age group, you can talk about these kinds of things. And I just loved that what you said, you created this family culture around how you feel about college and then opened up the opportunity for there to be dialogue, which I think is a fantastic opportunity to get to know your kids better too, to be able to be like, well, what are you interested in? And what, what things did I have envisioned for you? And what things do you have envisioned for yourself? And opening up that, that dialogue and that conversation. So that was one of my favorite things because when you pick up a book that says how to pay for college, you're expecting it to be all facts and figures and numbers and how to apply for this scholarship and how to find this grant. And I loved that it started off with a discussion about let's talk about why college is even important. And let's talk about talking about college, which I thought was such a great way to open up the idea of thinking about paying for your kids college by thinking about what are you interested in and why are we doing this? Sometimes I think we get so caught up in we have to do this and the stress of it that we don't take the time to stop and be like, okay, but why are we doing this? And you, you really talk about that a lot. And I appreciated that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to, when we were talking about intentionality and I, the thing that I loved that you said, and you say it throughout the book as well is wherever you are now, you can start. I I'm starting with telling you about, you know, before your kids are born or when they're babies, these are things you can do. But if you're already past that stage, you can still start now. And the thing that I loved about it is the focus on not so much the amount, but if you start now, it creates a mindset. And that's so much of what I feel happens in streaking is that by starting with this small thing, and we, we phrase it laughably small so that you have no excuse to not do it, you're really creating a mindset. And I saw that a lot throughout your book of, of this just create a mindset of being able to save for college and you'll do more than you think you will when you then than what you would do if you had to have this big number that you had to save all the time. And so I really liked that part of it. It's such a great point. And thank you for bringing that up because I kept thinking as I was, as I was, you know, looking at, at your material, I was like, there's so much consistency between our, mm -hmm. between our philosophies in, in this, that it really is about, you know, taking small steps that create future big wins. Exactly. And just creating that, that, that focusing on the input and the output will take care of itself much more easier than if you're focusing on the output. The output sometimes is daunting, especially now when we are looking at these numbers and the amount of money that you have to save, in addition to all the things you're paying for, for children along the way. And, and so I love that you're, process is focus on the input, even a small amount of input is going to make a difference. And the more you focus on that input, I think the more motivated we are to continue that input and increase that input as time goes because we're succeeding. Yeah, well, and I think, um, and I think too, and you raise a great point, you know, when you have a goal, it's not the goal, it's the steps you take to achieve the goal that that yeah. make you successful. And so, it's easy to say, I want my kids to go to college, but unless you build the steps along the way, you know, unless you build that path by taking all those steps and, and by being intentional, whether it's, you know, running a marathon, paying for your kids' college, saving mm -hmm. for retirement. I mean, there are so many things that we do or that we intend to do 
that unless we create that pathway, it's, it's not going to happen or yeah. the outcome is going to look really, 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 really different. different. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and so, so to your point, so for streakers, as you guys are listening out there, a couple of streaks that just came to mind while Anne was talking is one, save at least you know, $5 a month or $5 a week and put that in it. And I want to talk to you about a 529. Not everyone knows what a 529 is. So we'll make sure and talk about that. But start a streak to see how many weeks in a row you can put a dollar, $5, $10, whatever your income allows for in a savings account. Now, the other thing that you brought up, Ann, is you can have that automatically withdrawn mm -hmm. so that you don't even have to think about it. And that's one of the differences between a habit and a streak is a habit is automatic. And that is, you know, you can set up something automatic with, with technology and a streak is intentional. I'm going to intentionally do this for you know, daily, weekly, or monthly. And I have a streak to see how many days in a row or how many weeks in a row I can make this happen. And as you look at what Anne's doing here with how to pay for college, it really is about the consecutiveness of the savings. So every single week, every single month, I'm putting away a small amount so that that will allow me for the future outcome of going to the school that is, is the right school for us. And that, that was another thing that I looked at as well. It's not, it's not which school, it's why are you going to college? And then figure out what it is, what college matches the why behind that. So before we get to that that question, but tell us what a 529 is and how people can get into a 529. Yeah, so a 529 is a, um, is a college savings account um, that has some specific tax advantages. Um, so 529s are are run by the states primarily. So every state has their own. And for most people, um, choosing your own state's plan is the best way to go because states offer some tax benefits as well. With a 529, you set up a dedicated savings account for your child's college. Um, so you're the account owner, they're the beneficiary, and the dollars are available to pay for college. Any um, So you make contributions and then you choose how it's gonna be invested. It's a lot like your 401k where you have a set menu of choices, one of which is an age-based option that will, um, that will allocate your investments in a way that minimizes the risk of, of losing a whole bunch of money right before they go to college. Go to college. <laughs> um, um, the great thing about 529s, um, well, several things, you know, one is that all of the growth in the account is tax-free as long as it's used for college. And so that results in a much bigger pool of dollars available to you than, um, than, other, than other savings amounts. You know, it's probably about, you know, somewhere between a quarter and a third more net of taxes, um, depending on when you, depending on when you started to save. Many states also give you a tax benefit for your contributions. Um, to the account. So like here in Oregon, um, you get a tax credit of up to $300. Other states are far more generous than that. Um, so, so it can result in, in a lot of additional savings too. But one of the sort of the secret sauce of 529s compared with just like investing in a brokerage account um, and taking the money out is you don't report the growth in the account as income on the financial aid forms when you take the money out. So it oh, really? so it's much, much better for financial aid than other accounts. I know a lot of families say, well, my kids are young. I'm not sure if they're going to go to college. I'm not sure if this is the right way, you know, if this is the right way to save. Chances are it is the right way to save because 529s are really, really flexible. So in addition to using them for college, many states allow you to use them for private K-12 expenses. You can use uh -huh. them for apprenticeship programs. You can use them for community college. Um, so there are lots and lots of ways to, um, to use them. And then if you're a parent of multiple children and one of your children doesn't go to college, you could just change the beneficiary on that account to, um, to, a, different, to a different child. Um, I like 529s because I like for families to have some dedicated college savings. Um, I, and I like the intentionality of, of setting up that account and, and, and having it um, and having it saved. And, you know, to your point about streaking, um, the thing that I like is to, to me, a streak is a commitment. Mm -hmm. 
And so I've made that commitment. And now I'm thinking about how I'm going to do it, not whether I'm going to do it. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I like and her. So if I know. We need to have her on more I'm often. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's what, and, and again, it's that, that this is what I'm going to do. And now I'm figuring out how and when I'm going to do it, not constantly asking that question of if I'm going to do it, which really does free up some, something we don't talk about a ton, but it frees up a lot of mind share. You've made that decision already, and now you're going forward. And then when something comes that kind of bumps up against that, you're not revisiting the decision. You're spending that mind share saying, okay, how am I going to overcome this hurdle rather than looking at it and saying, well, should I do this? Should I not? And I think that really allows you to continue moving forward through times that maybe are a little more bumpy than other times, and maybe through times that are more fruitful than other times so that so that you're being more focused and intentional to doing what you want truly with your money. Yeah. So. And I think there's so much, you know, so much fumbling around trying to figure out what's the best way to do this. You know what? The second best way that's executed is better than the best way that still remains an idea because you haven't figured out what it is. <laughs> okay. That is so good. That is a life lesson. I wished I had learned so much earlier and that I feel like sometimes I still struggle with, but this idea of not doing something because you wanna find the perfect way to do it and you're waiting and you're waiting and I'm gonna find it. But the truth is there's probably not a perfect way that's gonna solve all of your problems. So just start, just start right now. Yep. And you'll figure it out a long way and you'll get better at it as you go. But not if you're constantly analyzing and thinking, should I do it? How should I do it? Where's that perfect way? So that's really great. I love that. The second best way is always better than the first way that you're just continuing to analyze. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. Well, and that's why in my book, I really try to just map out the steps and, and give you a pathway because, because I see so many people who are like, oh, my kid's 16 and we haven't started saving for college because I didn't think our, our 529 wasn't that great. And I was going to look around and find another one. And I just never did. And it's like, I never did. Yep. Yeah. Well, the second best choice was, was, was better than trying What's to, better? Yeah. you know, than spending so, 16 years figuring out what the first best choice was. So I, I'm getting started. How do I set up a 529? Do I just go to a brokerage account? I mean, is it pretty simple or is it something that that's complicated? How do you get started on it? They're super easy. So I would say don't go to a brokerage account, even though most of, you know, Schwab and um, Vanguard and all of those um, do offer um, 529s. I think the Vanguard 529 is really good, but it takes a lot of money to get it set up. So for most people, the best place to go is your state's, um, your state's 529. I mean, you're in Utah, that's the best 529 out there. So if, you, okay. if you're not sure about your states, go to Utah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so just Google your state name and 529. Um, and you and and you should um, be able to find it. You can open an account online. The only thing you the only things you need are your own personal info and your child's personal info. And then you okay. can link your bank account. Most of them will encourage you to set up a monthly standing transfer into the account. Um, and you can go back and edit that at, at any point. So if you're not sure which 529 to use, um, if your state has a tax benefit, that's the right one to use. And if not, um, you can use the, the Utah plan because that's the best one. And Utah's is my, is called my 529. Okay. Okay. That's great. Fantastic. And the question that I kept on going through my mind is let's say you're a great saver. You did a great job with 529 and not all the money is used. What, what happens then? What's, what's kind of after the fact? I know that's a little bit further down the road, but yes. I haven't used everything in the 529. What happens now? Yeah. So, so you're saying if you have extra money after your yeah. kids yeah. done with college. Yeah. So that's a really fortunate situation to find. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, know. I know it's not the case, but I was just curious about that. <laughs> um, and it does happen from, from time to time. Um, a, a few things. So any, if you use your 529 for what's called qualified educational expenses, which are tuition, room and board, books, required fees, required, required supplies. Um, okay, um, so there's a lot you can use it for. There's a lot you can use yeah, it Community okay. college tuition, um, mm -hmm. kind of anything other than clothes and transportation to and from your college, um, you okay. can use your 529 for. So, um, so, so you can use it for all those things. Any money that's left over, um, you have several options. One is you can 
change the beneficiary on the account so it gets used for someone else. So, um, so, so you could so gift it to a grandchild if you had leftovers down the road. Okay. Gift it to a grandchild. You're, if you're, um, if your child is intending to go to graduate school, you can just save it for graduate school save it for graduate school um, and okay. use it for that. If it's all done, you know, if you have no other way of spending it for, um, for college, you can take the money out and you'll pay um, taxes on the growth in the account. Um, and then to the extent that the excess in your account is not due to scholarships, you'll also pay a 10% penalty on, on that withdrawal. Now, um, you can also plan for this. Um, and so you, the withdrawal can go to the student or to the parent, um, and it's taxed to whoever receives it. So I had a client whose, um, whose son didn't go to college and he needed a car for his job. And so he took the money from his 529. It was taxed to him at a very low rate. Um, and he was able to, to buy a car for, for his job and not have a car payment. Okay. And so he was perfectly happy to do that. Another guy I heard of, um, his kids were done with college and there was still money in the 529. He found a college that offered a um, PGA tour golf camp. <laughs> Okay. Oh, great. And he changed himself to the beneficiary. Yes. <laughs> and he did a golf camp. And See, the there's all kinds, there's of, all kinds of things. That's good to know. That's great. That's so good. But I mean, you can use it for adult education at a community college. You can, um, you can use it for gap year programs. They're really very, very flexible accounts. So if the hurdle for you is, I don't know if my child's going to go to college, that is not a good reason reason not to not yeah. to save because <laughs> okay. at some That's point great. in time there'll be some educational need in someone's life because I, I was thinking that of jamie and i you know if either one of us wanted to go back and get an advanced degree mm -hmm. we could use it if our kids didn't use the 529 we could use that for the advanced degree absolutely you can use it for grandkids college you know college savings if you know there are very very few people who never do any additional education beyond high school. Okay. Um, and so, you know, we have a friend whose son is in an apprenticeship program to become an electrician and he can use his 529 for that. Um, That's really yeah. good to know. That That's really quality. So great. Yeah. I yes. love that. So now let's say you're at the place where you didn't do a 529, you didn't do savings, and now we got to talk loans. I mean, that's really what we're looking at as far as loans and what loans we need to do. What what is that what does that look like? What is our makeup of loans and how do we go about and I know that's a very long and difficult question, but maybe you can give us some of the high level on that. Yeah. So 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 I think there's this big thing out there that like student loans are all are all terrible and you shouldn't do any. And ideally you make college choices that allow you to not borrow, but for many families, that's just not realistic. Um, and, and taking out a student loan is the difference between going to college and not going to college. And, and if that's you, then it's a matter of um, making good decisions around, around what you borrow. To me, a good amount to borrow, a reasonable amount to borrow is to stick within the federal direct student loan program. And um, so those are, those are um, federal loans. There's a cap each year on how much you can borrow. The loan is in the student's name, so they are wholly responsible for it. Um, the cap each year, it's $5,500 their first year, $6,500 their second year, and then $7,500 um, for, for subsequent years. So a student who takes out that loan every year and graduates in four years will owe um, you know, a little more than $27,000 when they graduate based depending on the on the interest rate that translates into a monthly payment of about $325 a month for 10 years. Okay. Um, the, the career advantages, the financial advantages of being a college graduate will more than pay for for that amount of, of borrowing. Um, the, the, those are very easy loans to get. And like I said, that is the one loan that the student is wholly responsible for. Any borrowing that a student does beyond that is going to require either the parent to co-sign if it's a private loan or the parent to take out the loan themselves if they do the parent plus loans um, that are the federal, you know, the federal parent loans. 
So, so, you know, part of your job as a parent, um, you know, the parenting piece of paying yes. for college, um, you know, part of your job as a parent is to, is to make sure that your student understands your financial situation before they get too deep into the college selection process. Um, you know, before they before get they too married to that choice that, that <laughs> right. this is the only college I can go to. And you know, and the thing is there are so many great pathways for mm -hmm. students. And I'm not saying, you know, going to college or not going to college, even if you, even if you say, you know, I want my kid to go to college and I don't have a big budget to do so, you know, there's going to community college for two years and transferring. There's dual enrollment programs where a student can be enrolled their first two years at a community college, but live on campus at a four-year college and automatically transfer over um, after two years. There's, um, you know, getting college credit while you're a high school student so that you're in and out of college in, in, in three years instead of four. So mm. there are lots and lots of ways to compress the cost and shorten, you know, shorten the, the time frame for, for college. It's up to you as a parent to coach your child in that direction before they get to the point of saying, look, I got into Cal Poly. Yes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's where all my friends are going. And so am I. <laughs> yes. That was our daughter. I got into the Art Institute of Chicago. That's great. <laughs> the best of times, the worst of times. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. So being very intentional about what, what college it looks like, because as you were talking about this, what I was thinking is, something you said very early in our conversation and something you iterate in the book is you don't have to go to an Ivy League school. That's what that's kind of the phrase that was going through my mind. Any education is a good education and will get you further down the road. It doesn't have to be a certain college. A hundred percent. And I think there's this, you know, we get this idea in our head that better, faster, stronger is the only way to go. And if my kid doesn't go to an Ivy League, they're not going to succeed in this world. Um, there is so much data out there showing that that is not the case. And in fact, there was a study done, um, the um, Purdue Gallup um, study, where they interviewed adults who considered themselves successful. You know, they were engaged in their careers, they were happy in their lives and whatnot. And they found there were some commonalities among them that were not about public or private school, elite, you know, highly selective versus not selective, um, big versus small, urban, rural. What they found was that the sense of, of success as an adult came down to specific experiences that they had in college. And those were things like working on a project that took a semester or longer to complete. They were, you know, feeling like their professors cared about them, finding mentors who could help them take the steps to get towards their goals. Um, it was being engaged in campus activities. So it was nothing about where, where they went to college. Um, but if you look at, you know, look at the elite ranks, any, you know, anywhere you look, Fortune 500 CEOs, the school that's produced the most of them is Penn State. It's not Harvard or Stanford. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at Rhodes Scholars every year, typically about half of them went to colleges that admit more than 50% of applicants. Right. Um, so, so you can compete at the highest levels of our society regardless of where you went to college. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the characteristics about you are what's going to make you successful, not the name on your diploma. Mm. Right. Wow. I thought that was very intriguing too. And I love the way that, that that stated that it's the experiences that you have at college and looking for those more one-on-one -on -one experiences where do you feel engaged? Do you feel like you have the opportunity to have a mentor? And those that that was really insightful for me to look at. And and as we were talking earlier, Jeff, you had mentioned a habit versus a streak and that maybe setting up an account that automatically takes out could become something that you're like, well, the intentionality of starting that is important. But the thing that I was thinking about as you were saying that is we can set up an automatic thing that takes care of the financial aspect of it. But the intentionality of being able to communicate with your kids and revisit it point. would be yeah. something that I look at and think a streak would be helpful, especially when you have super young children that 
when you have lots of children, like you said, you are just taking care of the day to day. You're not thinking that far ahead. And sometimes you can't be thinking that far ahead because then you'll, I had an experience one time where I was thinking far ahead on something very specific, a project I was working on. And I ended up leaving a child in the car when I went into the store because I had completely forgotten that I had brought that child with me <laughs> because I was thinking so much about this. And it was a life-changing experience because because I was shocked that I could forget that child. I was, I was, and so there's, when you have those small children, there's times that you're like, I need to be focusing on the here and now because that's what's keeping my child safe. Setting up a streak to have a conversation weekly or monthly about college in any form, sharing a story about my own college experience or talking about, like you said, something I learned or talking about how I reconnected with a friend, anything like that, setting a streak like that keeps that on your mind That's where at point. the end of the at the end of the month you're like oh yeah this is important to me and even though i've spent the whole month changing diapers and changing my shirt cuz i got you know thrown up on or spit up on i still want to say oh college is a great thing let's just have a little conversation even though you're not thinking about it right now and your baby's not thinking about it it sets and creates a family culture that is important to you and that you want to start having be a part of it yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think, you know, here's a way to incorporate to incorporate a streak into the savings aspect of it, which is every year on your child's birthday, mm -hmm. be intentional about thinking about great. can I carve out a few more dollars for my monthly contribution to, right. to my 529. So you can combine habit and streak. Habit and streak, that yeah, is great. which I think is Love great. It. So great. And um, just one one last thing to talk about is scholarships, because um, you 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 know we've talked about savings, we've talked about loans. There's also scholarships that are available out there, and you, there's ways to plan for those as well. True. Absolutely. I, I mean, the scholarships are probably the you know the biggest tool out there to get your college costs to come in line with with your budget and they are they are widely available in fact this year my son has a scholarship for playing on a video game team oh hey. wow <laughs> it's great it's i bet he loves that scholarship dream right? yes yeah, no kidding that is um, amazing how do you go about starting and looking through that like if you're just beginning where do you start in the in the scholarship process yeah, great question because it is a it's it's the wild wild west. So I think the best place for families to start looking at scholarships is look up your in-state colleges and see what kind of scholarships they offer. The really nice thing about starting with your in-state colleges is most public schools offer scholarships automatically. So if you have X GPA and Y and if if applicable Y test scores, you automatically get this this scholarship. Okay. So let me take a step back and say there's two there's three types of scholarships um there are scholarships that are awarded on the basis of need okay um there are scholarships that are awarded on the basis of merit and then there are scholarships that are awarded by third parties so the first two types come from either the federal government or the school themselves um the outside scholarships come from kind of anywhere so first step in finding need-based scholarships those are allocated based on the FAFSA and the CSS profile. Those are the two big financial aid forms. Okay. Um, so a great step that families can take at any point in the process is go to the uh, Department of Education's website, which is studentaid.gov, and then look, look up a tool called the Student Aid Estimator. You can punch in all your financial data in there, and it'll tell you what your expected family contribution is. Now, your expected family contribution is the amount that the federal needs analysis methodology says you should be able to pay for college each year. It's going to be a horrifying number. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> just going to say it right out. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way I could come up with that. But it's a, it's a really good starting point for families to see if you're likely to be eligible for need-based aid or if you need to look for merit aid instead. If your expected family contribution is higher than the cost of college, then you are not eligible for need-based aid. Okay. Um, and, and it's possible that you could be eligible for need-based aid some places and not others. You know, For example, if your expected family contribution is $35,000, no need-based aid at public colleges, yes, need-based aid at private colleges. Gotcha. 
once you've got that, then you have to figure out if colleges, if the colleges you're interested in um, award scholarships on the basis of need. Some do, many don't. Some will meet some of your needs, some will meet all of your needs. So it's from there, it's a little bit of a manual process. Um, if the um, student aid estimator tells you you are not eligible for need-based aid anywhere, then you want to look for merit aid. And okay. merit scholarships are, are awarded by colleges and universities for the purpose of attracting the students they want to attract. Uh -huh. and, and it's really important for students they want to attract. So Harvard, for example, does not need to do anything to attract students with eight 8.0 GPA. Right. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> They're right. most, you know. They're there um, already. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the other hand, my son is um, going to the University of Arizona and he got a very generous um, merit scholarship um, because he had a really good ACT score, even though okay. his um, his GPA wasn't wasn't fabulous. So so up to you to you know find the schools that that match. Um, that match you for, for merit. And I think we have this misperception that um, scholarships go to poor kids and athletes. Mm -hmm. um, merit scholarships really go to students across, you know, across the spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I said, public colleges often automatically grant them if you're, if you're, um, if your grades are above a certain GPA. Um, other schools, um, have different criteria. You may have to apply. You may, um, you may, you may not. Yeah. Um, and merit can be funny things. So, for example, um, a lot of smaller colleges would like to have students from all fifty states. And it's oh, possible okay. if you come from a small state that isn't where that college is, you might be the only person from your state who's applying there, and they really, really want you to go. To go. <laughs> wow. So. You can, um, the best tool for figuring out merit scholarships, um, well, really any kind of scholarship, is every college is required to have a net price calculator on their website. And with a net price calculator, you punch in your information, and it will tell you what students like you paid to go to that college last year. Okay. Um, and, and you'll see the numbers will, will vary tremendously. I mean, we got results for my daughter who was interested in private schools. We got results ranging from $11,000 a year to $81,000 a year. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and from the net price calculator, you can then go to the school's financial aid website too and see if there are additional scholarships because net price calculators can only show you stuff that's granted automatically. There may be additional scholarships that are available to you. Um, that you might have to apply for. So for example, one of the schools my daughter was interested in, the net price calculator showed it was out of her budget. She found another scholarship that she was eligible for that would have brought it to within, to within. our budget. Okay. So we said, okay, it's okay to apply for that school. The third big pool of scholarships is, um, is outside scholarships. These are ones that, um, you know, if your high school has an awards night and they give out, you know, 6,000 different scholarships there, those are kind of those. Um, groups like Rotary, um, mm. um, all sorts of local organizations do them. There are big websites like FastWeb and Scully that have tons and tons of scholarships. But I found students tend to have the best luck going to their high school, college, and career center. And almost all of them will have a binder that's got all the different local scholarships in there. The thing that's great about local scholarships is the pool of applicants is smaller than for okay. the national scholarships. Um, but if you're unsure where to go for these, you know, like I said, college and career center at high school, but talk to the adults in your, in your student's life, you know, club sports coaches, um, teachers in a favorite class. My daughter found a great scholarship um, that her high school computer science teacher recommended that she apply for. And it's $5,000 a year plus a computer plus a professional mentor every year. So, wow. so that's so been, you know, that's been terrific. And because it wasn't through a big national database, she was part of a smaller pool of applicants and probably more likely to get accepted. Um, you know, our high school has a scholarship for the tennis team. I mean, what are there, 12 people on the tennis team? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's great. So that's, that's encouraging to look at and think they are out there with just a little bit of 
rooting around to find them. Yeah, they're great. out there. I would say those tend to be the smaller ones. So, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, a typical merit award from a college itself might be 20 to $30,000. A typical outside scholarship is, you know, 500 to $5,000. Okay. So, so okay. those are ones that are more like, you might be able to close the gap, reduce your borrowing type of thing from that versus something you can really build your, you your college really? budget around. Okay. And there's there's no limit on the number of scholarships you can get, be outside merit or whatever. It's not like if you get one or two, then everyone looks at you and says, oh, they've got two, no more scholarships <laughs> <set>. for them. <laughs> there, there, is no, there is no limit. Um, however, if you get need-based financial aid and you get an outside scholarship, they will offset your need-based financial aid by 50 cents on the dollar for those outside scholarships. So if you're a student with high need who, um, who, who is getting a big scholarship package from your school, it's probably not worth the effort to apply for, you know, $500 scholarships because you're really only going to get $250. Okay. Yes. Makes sense. Well, Anne, thank you so much for joining us today on The Streaking Show. This has been absolutely phenomenal. Congratulations on your book, How to Pay for College. I'll just hold it up there. Streakers, this is your workbook to help go to college. And really what you need to do is not only do this as far as, but also reach out to Anne, her um, website. Where where could they go to reach you if they want more, if they want to even employ you as a financial planner? So my website is also howtopayforcollege.com. Okay, great. Make things easy. Yes. That's way too easy. Right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's great. And any other social feeds that they reach out on? Do you keep a a Twitter, a Pinterest, Um, Instagram? I have a Facebook Facebook? group, um, The College Financial Lady, which was my original name. My editor, (laughs) publishing house, is like, that's ridiculous. No. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, no, not going to happen. fix that. (laughs) (laughs) And then on Twitter, I'm Ann Garcia CFP. Okay, okay, wonderful. So if you'd like to follow her in any of those places there, do so. Go out, buy her book, and your book's available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere books are sold, basically? Anywhere books are sold, yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you again so much. And Streakers, we hope that you take from this the financial planning streaks that you need in order to accomplish your goals and your aspirations. If you'd like to reach out to Jamie or I, you can do that at Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y at streakingmastery.com or Jamie, J-A-M-I at streakingmastery.com. This uh, conversation will be published on our YouTube channel as well as you're listening to it on the podcast. Also, you can download the Streaking app and start taking note of and also tracking the streaks that you have for financial planning and also share those streaks with everyone in the Streaking community. Well, thanks again to everyone for joining us today. Until we talk again. Keep streaking.